Hey guys, welcome into the Commercial Appeals Grizzlies podcast. I'm Grizzlies beat writer David Cobb alongside sports producer Jason Munns and sports columnist Mark Giannato. We are coming at you now a couple of weeks removed from the season's end. There's been a lot going on. It's going to be a busy offseason in Grizzlies world, even if they don't end up with a draft pick, which we still won't know uh, for sure on that until the lottery on May 14th. So plenty to dive into between front office transition, a coaching search, a lot of speculation about what the roster uh, will look like entering next season. And so, gentlemen, uh, welcome back. Good to see all you guys again. And um, Mark, what are kind of your uh, just kind of initial thoughts resetting where we stand now? Uh, a couple of weeks removed from the chaos that was uh, the end of the Grizzly season, exit interviews, and of course the transition that occurred uh, right there at the end. Well, it still feels a little chaotic just in a different way just because there's so many balls up in the air, so to speak, with, you know, I guess the front office has sort of come together. You've now got a 30-year-old Zach Kleiman leading your basketball operations. Uh 31? 30. 30? Turns 31 in June, I believe, Oh, um, is what he told us. Um, and then you've got Jason Wexler, who was the lead, the head of business operations, now leading everything as the team president, both sides, basketball and business. It's a guy who's essentially five, six years removed from being a real estate developer. Um, and then you've got two former GMs who were just hired to sort of support them. Uh, in Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald. And um, it's intriguing. It's also, I think, extremely risky. Um, but it's something different. It's, it, you know, Chris Wallace has been demoted. Um, John Hollinger has been reassigned. J.B. Bickerstaff has been fired. Um, it's a new approach. And, you know, it would be, it would not be fair for me to, pass judgment on whether it's a good move or a bad move because because frankly like we don't know anything about climbing um i would say though it's given where we are with the state of this franchise coming off two subpar seasons with a nucleus that is you know been progressively getting dismantled in terms of the core four um you know, right now all that's left is Mike Conley, and you have this big looming decision over what to do with Mike Conley. It seems like a very risky move to put your eggs in the basket of a thirty-year-old first-time basketball executive. Ultimately, you can contest this, but the way I see it is that it's now Robert Perez's show, and and it was before because he's been the team owner for I think seven years now. So. It, it, you know, but Chris Wallace had been here before him. Now the public has its scapegoat. It, it, it its bloodlust was satisfied by the demotion of Chris Wallace, so to speak. Uh, but really, to me, what that sets the stage for is this is all squarely on Paris' shoulders now that he bears the ultimate responsibility. Not that he didn't before, but I think that's more more clearly the case now. That's the way I see it. Also, I was next to Jason Wexler in traffic on Union the other day, and I was like, "Man, that looks like Jason Wexler." And then I was like. Yeah, nobody else would have a Memphis Grizzlies and a Memphis Hustle bumper was sticker. Was he driving a Ford Focus? <laughs> no, he no. was not. Um, but, well, and the para thing is really interesting to me because, frankly, I thought it was, um, I thought it was 
what's the word I'm looking for? I thought it was um, disappointing that he makes these drastic moves and basically doesn't address them, just sends out some generic statement about changing the front office when in reality it appeared, one, the the implementation of this was awful, trotting Chris Wallace and J.B. Bickerstaff out there for exit interviews and then essentially just a farce, just essentially the, those interviews were a farce and then, you know, canning them. I know Chris Wallace is technically a scout, but, you know, he's, he was essentially fired. And, um, you know, from what I understand from talking to people, you know, Para was there that day, came to Memphis that day to do do this in person. And so to me, he should have had a press conference. Um, and to me, if he knew how to do PR, the easy thing to do is you either you either announce announce this stuff Thursday that that day and then do your exit interviews the next day. Or if you're scared because the players, you know, these players want to get out of town, um, you announce them early in the morning that day, and you don't put J.B. Bickerstaff and Chris Wallace through that, and then you spin it for, you know, any good PR person would tell you, you spin it forward by bringing out your new, your new front office staff to like talk about, you know, and then the story isn't just, they got rid of Chris Wallace and J.B. Bickerstaff. It's, they got rid of J.B. Bickerstaff and Chris Wallace, but here's this new front office. Right, and that's the what they did the, the following day when. Uh, but it was too late. Rolled like, out the red carpet for us, allowed us, and a few other outlets in town. Still, to why them. didn't they have a press conference then? I still understand. Like, if you're if you're introducing new people, like, shouldn't you be like, you know, if you're excited about them, shouldn't you be like trotting them out and celebrating them? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. Well, they had a press conference for JB Bickerstaff last year when he was. Moved from interim coach to regular head coach, like, like, and he'd been there like a year. Like, but what's done is done, Mark, and that's behind us now. You and many. Well, you say what's done is done, but it's like it was a bad impression given by. We're we're talking about Robert Para and this front office. Like, we're supposed to trust them, and and like I said, it's hard. You don't want to pass judgment because they have not made. You know, the only moves they've made so far are adding Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald, which on paper seem like smart moves, hiring, you know, bringing in two former GMs, even though we should note they were already technically working for the Grizzlies. Like, what I've sort of noted everyone, I know it's like a, it is a new front office. Like, Zach Kleiman and, and Jason Wexler talked about it. Like, they're empowered in a way they weren't before. But ultimately... They have literally not added anyone new to their front office. All the people who are going to be leading this front office next year were working in some capacity for the Grizzlies last yeah, year. Yeah, but but I think clearly the the power dynamics have shifted. I don't. I, my understanding is that it was not Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald and Zach Kleiman who made the decision to to bring in Kyle Anderson. Yeah, no, I agree. Like they're in different roles now, but ultimately, like. Like I asked this question to Wexler. Like they were, they're taught their their whole message to us was, um, was you know we're going to change the processes and systems. We're going to be proactive instead of reactive. We're going to be thinking about the long term instead of the short term. And I get it. Chris Wallace was the lead executive, but just because you're like a secondary person, like where was you know I mean why why weren't they sort of pushing this before? You know, why Why weren't they effective in pushing this before? Is it simply because Chris Wallace was the overlord of the front office? Because it sure didn't seem like 
Chris Wallace, every time you asked him about it, said it was a very, um, I guess, collaborative effort in that front office. Whenever I'd ask him about the systems that were in place. And so, yeah, but this new regime's fingerprints were all over the Marcus Gasol trade. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? It sounds like it. I mean, again, Zach Kleiman said he was involved, but he wouldn't say how involved he was. Well, you know, needless to say, I think they're going to take credit for it unless Valanciunas walks and, and they don't get right back in restricted free agency, in which case you're just left with C.J. Miles, who has already exercised his player option. In that case, it wouldn't turn out to be a good trade, but I think, assuming, as it appears now, with Valanciunas likely to be back, uh, and then, of course, I think they like DeLon Wright and will probably pursue him uh, and certainly give him a qualifying offer, uh, I think ultimately that trade will end up looking pretty good. Uh, I, hope, for both I, sides. Hope, I hope they're good. Like, I hope Kleiman is some, you know is the next young great executive cuz it you know that would be a great move but i ult- like in my heart of hearts i think the reason he got the job is because para doesn't doesn't want like david griffin or some right. you know hot sh- you know big right. big shot gm in in here who who wants autonomy he wants someone who he can kind of steer so do you envision then or uh, let's just say well it's kind of a two-sided question what do you think they'll do with the head coaching hire, and what do you think they should do with the head coaching hire? Because I have questions uh, as you're talking here about maybe Para not wanting a, a, an experienced GM who would have pushed back against him. Well, are they going to go that same route with the coach? Are they going to get a, a former assistant who's just clamoring for that head coaching opportunity who will be a yes man and go along with anything that this revamped front office and, and Robert Para say? Or do they need to go out and get a proven head coach, a head coach who's led teams to the playoffs before, who can sort of shape and mold um, what might be a pretty young roster next year? Well, I think, one, it depends on what the roster is. Like, is Mike Conley on the roster, you know? Or is this a really young, just developmental team? And two, like, obviously you want the best coach possible. I just... I mean, given Robert Parra's track record with head coaches, do you really do you think it's feasible that they're going to get some coach who's been to the playoffs before and has some great track record? I I don't I honestly don't like if I was that coach, I you know unless I'm like desperate to get another job, which would suggest they aren't that great of a coach. Um, I don't know if that that person is going to come to the Grizzlies, given the fact that Robert Parra, you know goes through coaches like sticks of gum. I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, the guy, you know, the the rep of this ownership group is that they are very very impatient with coaches and impatient unnecessarily so. I mean, like Dave Yeager and Lionel Hollins were coming off playoff appearances and, you know, they, they just got rid of them. Yeah, that's that's true. It's been a carousel. I guess they didn't get rid of Yeager, but it was like... Well, I mean, Yeager was was pretty clearly unhappy uh and and Lionel Hollins was pretty unhappy with the decision to trade Rudy Gay and then they just didn't offer him a new contract they didn't want to shell out money they went with Jaeger who turns out I think most people would say Dave Jaeger's a pretty good NBA coach but uh he he wasn't made to feel secure in the job and then they they go on to uh David Fisdale and we know how that ended with uh you know Mark Gasol got a call from Robert Para informing him that David Fisdale had been fired just a matter of hours after Gasol and Fisdale had some sort of a disagreement. And then 
You move on to J.B. Bickerstaff, and I think you could have made the case that J.B. deserved another year um, just because of the, the calamitous effect that injuries had on this roster. And nobody was saying that, you know, that he's the next red hour back, but, like, you know, I think he did an okay job keeping that team together and, and playing hard late in the season for whatever that, you know, whatever again, that counts J- for. J.B. coming back, again, depends on what direct—and this is, like, to me, the main question— of the offseason. Like what direction are they headed? Are they going to try and piece together do what they did this past year, which I it seems maybe they're not given what Wexler and Kleiman have said, but are they going to try to basically bring in some spare parts and do it, you know, have another year where they're just trying to convey the pick and maybe make the playoffs type of team? Or are they going to really initiate the rebuild that this franchise is eventually going to have to do? Well, that lottery night it looms large. I mean, that, that's well, everything. But that's, that's the thing to me. Like, to me, like, if you're going to be proactive instead of reactive, like, this whole conveying the like, you can't think about conveying the Who cares if they convey the pick or not? You just got to start the rebuild at some point. And, like, are you really going to delay it? Like to me, it's like, are you really going to delay it another year just to try and convey the pick? No, but that that's something that can really inform them on how to best approach the. Yeah, say they don't say they say they say they get like the number four pick in the draft and they don't convey the pick. You're telling me you you think they should keep Mike? You think they should keep Mike Conley and try to be like a competitive team yes, next year? Because conveying an unprotected draft pick to the Celtics in 2021. Could potentially be uh, an absolute disaster on a Hashim the Beat level scale um, for this franchise. See, I think they should just start rebuilding. I think like you, you're just delaying the inevitable, and like you've 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 kind of made your bed in a way with this. Like the draft pick has already been traded, and you know, like to me, it's like Mike. But in two, if you don't trade Mike Conley now, a year from now. His value is going to be less. Like, yeah, right? but okay. I think that even if they keep Mike Conley going into this season, I think that there's a high probability that he could be still moved at the deadline. So then they're still not going to con- like then they're then like then what's the point of keeping them? Like you're keeping them to try and convey the pick next year if you don't convey it this year, and if you trade him at the deadline, you're hurting your chances of conveying the pick. Like there, no matter what way you look at it, it's going to be painful. And I just think to me. You just start rebuilding now. So uh, uh, now that we're a few months out from the analogy you made to the Grizzlies as being a, a flaming Ford Focus without wheels, uh, what form of vehicle and what sort of status would you assign that vehicle now? Um, if you're looking at the Grizzlies, they're like a they're like a rented Chrysler Sebring. Um, like we don't really know. Like, you know, it's a short term. Right now, the current roster is like a short term. Like we don't know. Like we don't know if Valanciunas is going to be here. We don't know, but it's like, you know, it's like got some, you know, it's not like in bad shape you know, anymore. You know, you got like a new, it's, you know, only got like 20, 30,000 miles, but it's like, you know, some retreads, you know, I don't, I don't know what form this roster is going to take. Like, you know, do you, know, I think it get all, there's so many moving parts. It's like, do you trade Mike Conley? And if you do trade Mike Conley, who are you getting back for him? Because I think that informs which of these guys on the current, you know, that you had on the, at the end of the year, you bring back. Um, cause you've seen in these playoffs, like, you know, I was watching the jazz last night lose to the Rockets. Like, you know, 
they should have offered more than a bet sack of potatoes for Mike Conley because they could have used him. Yeah, like, poor, poor Rubio airballed that one in the corner that could have totally changed that game in the last two minutes. That yeah, was but painful. like I wouldn't want Ruby. I like I I think the Grizzlies no, are smart. No, like the, the, the Jazz would have rather had Mike Conley taking that shot than Ricky Rubio. Yeah, and like you know the Pistons could have used him. I think Denver could use him. I think Indiana could use him. Like there's the Lakers could use him. There's gonna be a lot of options. For, for the Grizzlies out there, and it's why it was smart they didn't just, you know, reactionary pull the trigger and trade him at this past deadline. But, and we can talk about Mike here. I mean, he has one foot out the door. I don't think he wants to be back. Um, but you've made the point to me, and I think in, in a column you wrote about Mike just a few days ago, right, that he's being lucratively paid by the Grizzlies for a contract that nobody forced him to sign. Yeah. No, no, no. I think the Grizzlies have to do, like, if 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 Phoenix if the Phoenix Suns or the New York Knicks offer the best deal, if some terrible team offers the best deal for Mike Conley, that's who you trade Mike Conley to. I know he want he wants and probably deserves to play for a contender while he's still in his prime, but like he's t- his he's the only tradable asset of value that the Grizzlies have right now, and the return you get for him is going to be part of the foundation along with Jaron Jackson Jr. of how you rebuild this franchise and how you sort of uh, move into the future. And so to accept anything less just to satisfy Mike would be foolish. It would. And and that includes tra- just trading him just because he seems like he wants to be traded right now. If it's in your best interest to wait till the deadline, you do that. Um, I personally think... You're not going to get a better deal than you will this offseason, whether it's during the draft or whether it's after the initial stages of free agency because a lot of teams have a lot of cap room this year. And some there's just not enough free big-time free agents, even though there's quite a few this year, there's not enough to fill the amount of cap space that's out there. So when some of these teams swing and miss – they're going to be looking for an alternative. Yeah, that's and Mike, a train of thought I've seen a lot. That you know, if the Lakers don't go out and land somebody huge in free agency, they don't want to commit long term to some player that's going to eat their salary for the next four years in free agency. That they can essentially uh, make a trade for Mike Conley on a two year rental and get the tail end of his prime at a you know at, a, at an expensive but not totally egregious rate. But and, and that's why I just don't think you can think about it in terms of conveying the pick. Like if you get a great offer this off season. For Mike, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just you just got so many things up in the air with the Grizzlies right now because one, you know, obviously the Mike Conley's future I think is the biggest question uh, hanging over the franchise's head this offseason. Then of course, if you convey the pick or not, uh, where you draft and if you draft and who you draft is obviously huge. Then um, I think the train of thought that we're probably on right now is that uh, you probably wait until after the lottery to decide um, or seriously pursue or narrow down or really hone in on who you want as your head coach because uh, the, the the pool of coaches may be swayed one way or the other by uh, how attractive the you know. The- well, I just think it like you know if you're if you're if you're just bring if you're trading Mike and essentially having a really young team that you have like essentially not tanking but like essentially has no chance of being a playoff team, I think you bring in a totally different coach than if you have Mike Conley and you're trying to, you know, like you, you want someone who can develop talent because um, that's what you need to do right now. I mean, right now, let's, I mean, if you, if we look at this roster, like you've got 
Jaron Jackson Jr., who seems to be a building block for the future. You've got Kyle Anderson on contract, but he's got this mysterious shoulder injury that he just had surgery on. It's unclear if he fits the style of play that they're That'll be on the top of the list, in my opinion, for the next coach, is to identify and find a fit for Kyle Anderson because he's under contract for the next three years, and I believe he's got a a trade kicker that would make it pretty... Um, unfavorable for the Grizzlies to try and, and, and deal him. So they need to find a way to make him fit. So that continue on, but that's, I yeah. think, a high priority for the next coach. You've got Dylan Brooks, who's coming off a disappointing, disappointing in the sense that he was hurt the whole year, second season. He's got one more year left on his rookie deal. You know, next year's going to be a big year for him in terms of seeing if, the, if he's a long-term piece for this franchise. Um, you've got Javon Carter, who had a disappointing rookie year. Um, you got Ivan Rab, who I, I still think the jury's out whether he's a rotation guy, you know, in the future. Um, you've got Bruno Caboclo, who's like on a, you know, almost like a you know, sort of a discovery deal, sort of figuring out what he is. But like, you don't have, like, Honestly, you look two years from now, there's like Jaron Jackson Jr. is the only guy on this roster you who you know is going to be on the roster in two years. I mean, like, that's crazy. Like, that's why I'm saying, like, that's the, a the, rented Chrysler Sebring. Yeah. Like, the you've got just all these guys who, you know, you know like, are filling in the gaps for now. Um, and, like, you know, maybe DeLon, maybe they signed DeLon Wright to a three or four year deal out of this restricted free agency stuff. But, like, what do you do if, say, like, DeLon Wright, what I don't know if this will happen, but what if someone offers DeLon Wright the same deal the Grizzlies gave Kyle Anderson last offseason? If you're the Grizzlies, do you match that? Like, you know, because like, DeLon Wright is essentially like Kyle Anderson-esque. Well, if you don't, you got to find a point guard somewhere. you got to find one somewhere because if you if you don't feel <laughs> totally confident in the fact that Mike well, John Moran or Kobe White. You know, and that's, again, like who you draft could dictate things I think it's, too. I think it's probably like, got to be a guard. Unless you're taking Zion, I think the Grizzlies have got to get a guard. I mean, I think... Yeah, I think to me it's like you don't draft on position. You Especially if you have like... If we're talking like the eighth pick... Or even the fourth pick, you you pick the best player. That to me, there's there's so many holes on this roster long term. You just pick the best. Though you pick the player who you think long term is going to be the best player. That's what I mean. That personally, unless I guess you know, and unless it's someone who can't play alongside Jaron Jackson, that would be the only disqualifying factor in my mind. Um, but you take best available, in my opinion. Um, who do you think will be back on this roster? If you had to guess today, yeah, I would. I would say I would say Valanciunas because on because, a one-year deal, the player option or a long-term uh, deal, or like three or four-year deal. I, if I were him, I I would come back on the player option because this is a pretty stacked free agent class, and he could be the 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 class. I know I know centers being devalued in, in the modern NBA and all this, but he could be the best true center on the market next year, entering free agency, and at that point, he'd have a firmer kind of sense of where he might fit with the Grizzlies because we th- we think that this front office was the one that sort of brought him in here on, on the trade deadline and that they're going to have a, a you know a high priority on him moving forward but until you get the new coach in there and, and until you sort of see how it works next season if I'm him I don't want to commit long term to this uh, especially when you, if you think your value might be pretty high uh, entering the free agent market next year so I think he'll be back 
my suspicion would be that it would be on the on the player option, but it, let's not rule out him signing a long term deal. Uh, so you got JV, uh, you got Jaron, you got Kyle, you got all those guys. You, you Dylan mentioned. Brooks, Chandler Parsons, Javon Carter, Ivan Rab, Bruno Caboclo. I, I think this front office is probably proud of of Tyler Dorsey. Uh, and how they sort of flipped Shelvin Mack for for Tyler Dorsey, and I would think that uh, I don't think that Tyler Dorsey showed enough that he's going to get some crazy offer and restricted free agency from another club. But I think he showed enough uh, that the Grizzlies would probably he's better be willing, than Javon Carter. Yeah, would be willing to give him a, a qualifying offer. So I think Dorsey will be back. Um, as we stand right now, um, I'll say I'll say no on Mike Conley. I'll say that Mike Conley will be traded, and so you're looking at a core probably. Uh, potentially, hypothetically, of of Delon Wright, uh, Tyler Dorsey, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas, uh, and Bruno Caboclo, Chandler Parsons. You're forgetting Ch- about Chandler, Chandler Parsons, Parsons. Uh, who I, I think they'll have, probably have a hard time dealing uh, this summer, but uh, potentially would maybe take a buyout if he was confident he could land somewhere else on a, on a one year veteran minimum. Is Avery Bradley back? Um, the more the longer we go on that, the more I trend towards no, just because of the price tag. I think they like him, but I think it was the previous regime that really liked him. I think it was the Wallace era that really brought him in for the draft workout and that tried to pursue him in free agency. So, I, but you said, I mean, like if 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 Kleiman and them were you know really spearheaded the Gasol deal, you don't think they spearheaded that Jamichael Green? Well, no, I mean they may, they very well too. may have, but I was high on on Bradley's potential future with the Grizzlies because I thought that he was somebody that the Wallace sort of that that Chris Wallace liked. I I, I feel true. pretty confident about the fact that Chris Wallace's general manager regime had expressed interest in Bradley in a number of ways over the years, and so I thought if Wallace was going to continue on, that he would that Bradley would be somebody that that they would really try and keep. And I wouldn't rule it out. Obviously, he played pretty well. Is uh, Justin Holiday back? No. No. No chance. I wouldn't say no chance, but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um You what, can get what he brings for, you know, probably less. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. Joakim Noah? I would say no. No. Um Noah. Delon Wright. Do you think Delon Wright I think is back? Delon Wright will be back. Do you think they'll get him they'll sign him up for three, four years, or do you think Yeah, potentially because even if you do bring Mike Conley back it's still a good. He's investment. got a three points. He, yeah, the qualifying offer is a little over three points. Yeah, that's not all that high. I don't think that. I would be surprised if there's another team willing to pay him. You know, upwards of nine, ten million a year. But I mean, we don't rule it out. But I would, I would bet now, as we look at it now, that he'll be back in a Grizzlies uniform. Gotcha. And then CJ Miles will obviously be yeah. on the roster as well. He exercised his player option. So you're, you can have a couple of spots to fill, um, and so they'll. Even if they don't have a draft pick, they'll probably bring in a rookie or two, an undrafted rookie. Um, they'll probably, you know, kind of. Uh, well, they'll have the mid-level exception, right? They'll be able to, yes. to to bring somebody in on that, or potentially, if they really did like Justin Holiday, I guess they could use that on him. Could they not? I guess, but I don't. He was getting paid four point five million this past year. I don't know if I'd want to pay him the mid-level exception. Yeah, but you can split it up among I think two players. Uh, if I, I just I, feel like now that you have C.J. Miles, why do you need Justin Holiday? Space the floor, man. Modern yeah. NBA, especially if you're talking yeah, but about. That, here's the thing about Justin Holiday: he wasn't that good of a three-point shooter. Yeah, his last eleven like, games, he was forty-one point six percent. Yeah, I mean, the last, struck, 11, like the last 11 NBA games of the season were a joke. Like, that's one thing we should talk about. Like, the last, like, 15 games of the NBA season, I'm not just talking the Grizzlies, like, the whole freaking league. It was just awful. It's just awful basketball. Like, you don't even know 
what you can make of it because most of those games neither team was really trying it's like a joke yeah it's i mean i'm not saying that you you had your future on a guy's performance it's like stretch, like delon like, wright had consecutive triple doubles and like it's fine it's great for delon wright like i don't know what to make of that like i don't i don't that doesn't that doesn't tell me that he's you know like i just you know like what's his name what's the guy on uh Am- was it anthony simons who had the like 50 point game in the last like you know it's like these games are meaning like these guys aren't even trying Right. It should be a 70-game season. But here's what I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that we were trying all the way down to the end uh, at the Commercial Appeal to bring you the best Grizzlies coverage uh, in town. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it was – it's going to be a fascinating offseason, and I really hope at some point – my biggest hope for this offseason is that this new regime comes out and not not tells us – Tells the fans, like, what the heck are you doing? Like, what is your vision for the future? What do you what are you trying to accomplish? What, you know, how are you gonna go about it? Give us like, a blueprint. Yeah, like give us something. Like, even when we met with them, it was great that we got to meet with them one on one, but it was so like they were just talking in such generics. Like, you know, they and maybe rightfully so because they don't know what's hap- gonna happen at the lottery and they don't know but like at some point this offseason they owe it to this fan base to come out and tell them what are we doing? They're, they're, they're like, stop being so secretive. Stop being so, you know, like and, and like honestly, Robert Parrish should come out and say something to the fans. Like, well, they've got to figure it out first before they can tell us, and that's why that's why I think the lottery. You know, say what you will about about reacting versus being proactive, but I think that that day looms large. May the fourteenth, they're going to find out. Maybe they're going to get Zion Williamson in here. Maybe the city of Memphis will have one of the greatest years in hoops history for a city with James Wiseman playing for the Tigers and Zion Williamson playing for the Grizzlies, and it'll just be uh, just just you know beautiful time in, in the city of Memphis. Here's, W's everywhere. Here's, here's a hot take for you for our next. This will be for our next podcast. Zion Williamson ain't going to be some fantastic pro. Hot take. He's going to be a good player. Not going to be great. Hot right. take. All right, Mark. Well, uh, clearly, uh, you're. Um... I'm in the minority, but I'm just telling you, I don't think I don't know if he has a position in the NBA. He's going to be a good player. It's positionless league. He'll I find a, he'll find one. He's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be the transcendent superstar that everyone is making him out to be. All right. Well, uh, for now, uh, I'm David Cobb, the Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He's Mark Giannato, the columnist. We thank Jason Munns for coordinating all of this. Today, uh, we'll be back at it uh, at some point in the near future, but uh, for the meantime, stay tuned to commercialappeal.com and our mobile apps for all the latest on the Memphis Grizzlies. Thanks for joining. <laughs>